Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. And good morning once again to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, we've experienced some of the worst flooding in living memory across the east coast of Australia this week. Natural disasters have both a telling human and economic impact. Do you anticipate this demanding a fiscal response? Well, uh, Craig, disaster recovery is the responsibility of uh, state governments and they're compensated uh, by the federal government through the natural disaster relief and recovery arrangements uh, which are funded. Each state uh, has a disaster recovery authority which oversees the the reconstruction and compensation and abatement for that matter. And it liaises with the uh, local governments in these efforts. Now, in addition to these uh, long-standing arrangements, in 2019, within the federal budget, a $3.3 billion uh, emergency response fund was created to allow state governments to deal with uh, natural disasters, specifically floods, actually. And under the current arrangements, they they, they would also be uh, able to get funding from that source. Given, though, where we are with COVID, uh, it's possible that we uh, might see additional relief extended to particular regions, but I don't anticipate that there'll be a significant unfunded budget response due to the floods. Matthew, this week we also had big news out of the US. A president, As President Biden rather announced a $3 trillion US stimulus package, focused on infrastructure and training. Given that the US economy is already absorbing that $1.9 trillion American rescue package, will yet another massive fiscal splash risk overheating the US economy? Yeah, well, you know, on face value, it certainly looks that way, doesn't it, Craig? But I think we have to be a little bit uh, circumspect before jumping to conclusions. As yet, there's really very little detail about either the timing or the funding arrangements of the package. Uh, We do know that the package will be split up with uh, spending on maintenance and repair of existing transport infrastructure uh, coming first. It seems that clean energy and uh, digital technology infrastructure will come next with spending on 5G telecommunications, for example, um, within that package. And finally, uh, there are plans to spend Uh, on education and training as well. But if I heard you correctly, Matthew, despite the sheer scale of the spending package, by spreading out the spend over a number of years, it mitigates the risk of the US tipping into excess demand. So is there a risk these spending programs could come into force, however, just when the US economy is close to capacity? Well, there is, but it also comes down to the funding issue uh, as to whether it tips the uh, economy into uh, excess uh, uh, demand uh, or or it uh, soaks up excess capacity if that's the case because you know if you're raising taxes for example to pay for this then you're diverting spending away from other sources and now there is certainly no appetite for further deficit blowouts from the Republicans and even moderate Democrats will start to I think waver at further fiscal damage uh, the Biden administration and progressive Democrats have signalled higher taxes on the corporate sector and wealthy individuals. Um, of course, the Republicans will not vote in favour of higher taxes. So while the infrastructure plan may win bipartisan support, the funding arrangements will certainly stall. This would mean the administration would have to resort to that process of reconciliation to get the package through the Senate in the same way that they had to they had to resort to that process to get the uh, American recovery package through. But as this requires all 
Democrat senators to vote for the bill. The test will be on Biden to see if he can hold the moderates in line in the face of another huge fiscal stimulus package. Yeah, interesting stuff. You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current global factors influencing the inflation outlook. Matthew, in past QPods, you've been a very strong advocate for infrastructure spending, as it has a more targeted impact to those handouts being uh, going to households. Your arguments have been around handouts giving a one-off boost to consumer spending, whereas infrastructure spending creates productive capacity. Is this a crucial component to how you are assessing the impact of Biden's latest fiscal spending on inflation? Uh, yeah, that's that's right, Craig. Uh, infrastructure spending, as you said, builds out the economy's uh, stock of productive capital and, and also increases productivity, and that leads to the higher productive capacity, meaning that the economy can accommodate higher levels of demand without sparking inflation. However, be, before that process can happen, the infrastructure actually has to be built. And it's during this construction phase that pressure comes on inflation. If the economy's existing pool of resources, labour and capital, machinery, etc., already fully utilised. Okay, then. So in either case, the current and future US fiscal packages are enormous. We've become conditioned in Asia in particular to know how important China's growth is to our economic health. So how will the growth of this US economy affect the world's economy, Matthew? Yeah, well, Craig, the, the US economy is still the largest economy in the world, accounting for 24% of global output if you measure it in, in, in current uh, dollars or 16% if measured by uh, purchasing power parity. So let, let's cut the difference somewhere around 20%. It's imports around 15% of its needs, which makes it the larger customer in global trade markets. And the key feature of the current fiscal package, um, leaving aside the uh, infrastructure package for the moment, the one that's currently hitting us, is that it's concentrated on the US consumer. For example, you know, uh, each household is currently getting $1,400 um, currently in their in their letterboxes. Now, the US consumer in the US economy accounts for 70% or roughly 14% of the global economy, and they import 10% of their needs from abroad. So with the US consumer expected to grow at 6% this year, which will be the fastest growth rate the consumer in the US has had since 1972, the spillover impact of that to the rest of the world via import demands will be significant. Well, there you go, Matthew. It is very much a make, make America great again story. Specifically to our region, however, how impactful will this US economic growth be? Oh, very. Um, the East Asia region uh, is the US's largest trading partner and it imports around 40% of its total imports from our region. And this is split fairly evenly uh, between China and the rest of our region. So our region is one of the manufacturing hubs of the world economy and with Europe, another one of uh, the world's manufacturing hubs suffering uh, intermittent lockdowns due to COVID. The spillover growth of strong US consumer to our region is going to be considerable, and it has been up to date. It's one of the reasons thus far that has made our region the best performing region in the global economy. Thanks, Matthew. We might leave it there due to time constraints, but continue this theme in next week's episode, but focus on the potential impacts on our institutional investors. 
In summary from today, the inflation story continues to attract attention across our institutional investor news feeds, driven by rebounding economies, a global vaccine rollout, historically low interest rates and continuing fiscal stimulus programs. However, like Australia, the US also has excess capacity, which will likely contain any inflation outbreak in the near term. However, important for our region as a consumer-led economy, the US's return to growth is strong news for our regional economies who will benefit both directly and indirectly on this US consumer demand. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QPod. Please share your views with us. We'd love to hear them via QPod at QRC.com. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.